0: Pins and Needles Chapter 5 Santiago de Compostela, Spain Helio The wooden block was located just inside the window so that passers-by could watch the butcher demonstrate his skill in carving up the cuts of fresh meat. At precisely five minutes to one, he fastidiously cleaned and resharpened the blade before slipping it into its leather pouch. He hung the bloodied apron on its hook, washed his hands methodically, and was walking towards the door, buttoning his jacket, when the church clock struck the hour. The boy, left alone behind the counter to face the onslaught of lunchtime customers, was soon too busy to notice the man in the hoodie slip in, lean across the low counter to the block, and slip out. It all happened in less than a minute. Helio was late in fulfilling the contract, but Ancho's 500 euro down payment had resulted in several days of blissful contentment, where one fix followed the next, without any need to come down. Now he felt sharp, confident and focused. His back sported a new tattoo, not a de nadie. It was while Helio was having the tattoo done, in an effort to distract himself from the drone of the machine and the relentless pinching sensation of the needle, that he had devised his plan for killing Isabel. The tattooist had given him a book of tattoo art to browse through as he sat slumped forward onto the armrests of the leather chair. It was a picture of El Angel de la Muerte that had given him the idea. The tattoo was done simply in black ink. The hooded figure of the Grim Reaper covered the entire back of the person in the photograph. From its clasped hands the handle of the sickle rose on one side. The metal blade of the death symbol disappeared over the shoulder and a second photograph, showed how it reappeared on the front of the body, angling down the person's chest, where the point fell just above the nipple. Helio had carefully memorised the image. After he slit her throat, he would create his own masterpiece as a bonus for Ancho. Isabel's naked body would be his canvas, a blade would be his needle, and her blood would provide the ink. His mother was out when he arrived home. He went into the kitchen and took the jamon serrano that hung on a butcher's hook. He put the huge ham on a large plate and placed it on the table. Sitting, he removed the butcher's knife, wrapped in newspaper, from the deep inside pocket of his jacket. Unfolding the paper, he examined the blade. He drew the point across a page of the newspaper and grunted with satisfaction at the clean cut it made. He rotated the plate until the yellow, pinkish pork rind was facing him, then, Frowning with concentration, he used the tip of the knife to carve a row of neat letters. Soy el Ángel de la Muerte. Isabel shivered as the opening and closing of the door admitted a cold blast of air. From where she was crouched, sorting shoes from a box onto a lower shelf, she couldn't see who had entered, but she became aware that Paola, behind the counter, was facing the newcomer with a smile while frantically signalling for Isabel's attention, with a hand that remained below the level of the counter and, therefore, out of sight of whomever had entered. The Buenestias came in a masculine voice that she recognised and, without thinking, she turned to the mirror for people trying on footwear and adjusted her hair. sub-inspector. What a lot of stuff you brought us, she heard Paula reply. There's more in the car. We had a staff outing at the station, and I thought it would be a good opportunity to organize a collection. The response was really good. That's so good of you. I can't leave the till, but I'm sure Isabel will give you a hand. She turned to where Isabel was scowling at her and called, rather theatrically Isabel is sub inspector Pedrosa with some bags of donations. I wonder if you could lend him a hand. Isabel shook a fist, glanced once more in the mirror, fixed a smile on her face, and popped up from behind the shelves in time to catch the policeman's flustered expression. They exchanged olas before Pedrosa hastened to assure them that he could manage the bags unaided. I'm sure you can, sub-inspector, but we want you back on the street fighting bad guys as soon as possible, said Paula. In fact, speaking of which, we've had a couple of dodgy looking characters loitering around for the past few days. We were wondering whether we should call the station or not, although I suppose they haven't actually done anything. It's just a bit unnerving, isn't it, Isabel? Yes, a bit, said Isabel, turning to Paula in such a way that her back was to Bedrosa and giving her a look of exaggerated bewilderment. If you have any suspicion, you should definitely give us a call, the policeman answered. It's always better to be safe than sorry. In the meantime, I'll make sure a car swings by from time to time. Paula smiled innocently and continued, That's so good of you. So if they do show up again, which is the best number to call? Isabel was caught between indignation and humor at Paula's slyness as Pedrosa fumbled in his pocket for a business card. It has my direct line in the office, and you have a pen. I'll put my mobile on there too. You're a star, gushed Paula, handing a pen to the sub inspector. Is that an eight or a three? An eight, uh, sorry, my writing is awful. Not at all, replied Paula, taking the card. Here, Isabel, I'll give this to you as you're on in the afternoons, and that's when they usually show up. Now, I'll hold the fort if you want to give the sub inspector a hand with those bags. What do you think you're up to? demanded Isabel as they watched Sub Inspector Pedrosa's car merge with the traffic and disappear up the street. He's mad about you. I've seen the way you blush when he comes in, which, incidentally, is becoming ridiculously frequent. I'm a married woman, laughed Isabel, flushing. Paula smiled. And then the smile faded, and she looked earnestly at Isabel. I know it's none of my business, and maybe I'm wrong, but you don't seem happy, Isa, and it seems very like the kind of unhappiness I had before I had the good sense to get out of my useless marriage. Isabel stared blankly at her. She found herself biting her lower lip to stop it trembling, and Paula realised that she had hit the mark. Like I said, it's none of my business, but if you want to talk about it... For a moment Isabel was tempted to unload her suspicions of Ancho's infidelity upon her colleague, but the weakness passed, and, instead, she formed the words to politely but firmly retreat behind her wall of privacy. She was just as surprised as Paula, therefore, to hear what came out. "'I'm pregnant.'